Good morning, 10 o'clock encounter and online encounter people. It is good to have you with us this morning. Uh, I want to share a quick testimony, if that would be okay. Um, I texted Pastor George in Kenya. A lot of you know about our connection there. And uh, we support him on our monthly basis. And so at the beginning of each month, uh, I can just through an app, just zip him $200 just like this. Go straight to his phone, which goes to his checking account. And he supports us. So cool technology. I said, hello, George, just sent you $200 for the month of February, plus $150 more from someone in our congregation to use however you wish. Someone gave that money. Love you and keep on serving our, and worshiping our king. He says, praise the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you, my dear brother. Yay, please tell that someone from your church that I am right now on my way to go get 3,000 fingerlings, uh, that's fish, for our two fish ponds with the money that they gave. I was, suspo- I was supposed to stock uh, the ponds last week, but I haven't had the money until now. It costs $150 to stock the two ponds. I've been praying to be able to do that by the end of this week. And notice that he was on his way there to get it. I mean, just it's like if you pray for rain, take an umbrella. Okay, I'm praying by the end of this week I'm going to have the money. He didn't have the money, but he took the seven-hour trip and he was on his way. And he gets that text from me. Isn't that cool? I said, wow, isn't God so good and his timing continues to prove to be perfect? He says, I've just shared this testimony with my unbelieving wife, LOL, because she looked at me and said, unbelievable. I said, I'm so grateful to know the God who does the unbelievable. He said, yes and amen. Uh, Showed me the receipt for the fish. Um, And then some of you that follow him on Facebook might have seen they actually got the 3,000 fingerlings and they released it into their ponds and they're supposed to be full grown within six months to a year, something like that. He'll use those fish to, to, to feed people and to f- share the gospel as he's feeding them. So, uh, so cool. I share that because I want to remind us of the importance of being generous in giving. And I want to remind us that through the month of February, uh, and if you guys were here last week, how many of you were here last week? Um, you heard me start to say this. How many of you are here this week? <laughs> okay, that's good. That's, that's, that's right. That's correct. Um, we as a church, we're going to take the month of love, and I talked about, you know, you can give without loving, but seldom do you love and not give of your time, talents, and resources. So we're going to collectively as a church, we know about what our monthly income is, thanks to all of you guys that, that give so generously, but we're going to take everything above and beyond our general fund giving, and whatever that figure is, 1000 2000 3000 it doesn't matter. Uh, we are going to set that aside and we are going to give that away and bless someone and you guys are going to get to decide how we do that. So then for the month of March, you guys are going to write into Lori or I or tell one of us, text us something about an idea of a local family or something that you think um, we could give to that would be a blessing to them. And we're just going to do that as a collective group. And so if you want, if you... uh, are still nervous about giving and you want to start just for the month of February, we're just inviting you to do that. 
If you normally give whatever and you want to give a little bit more towards that, we're just going to collectively do that. Then we're going to give it away. Truth and Grace is going to keep none of the extra and we're going to give it away and be a blessing to someone. And who knows how God might use some timing in some other people's lives. Uh, It's been really cool to hear some of the testimonies of some of you that uh, gave the Walmart 100 gift cards away. And um, someone's going to share a testimony next week. Uh, kind of around uh, this idea of being generous and giving. Um, And then we'll share some more stories about our $100 gift card. So just a reminder, every week we're going to remind you, just invite, no pressure. I don't see who gives what, so it's not like I'm looking to make sure you give some or give more. Honestly, I don't care. I just want you to pray about it and do what God leads you to do. And it's going to be so cool to watch how God blesses someone because of our generosity together. Sound like a plan? Sound good? All right. Um, We are going to continue on in Galatians this morning. Galatians uh, chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to finish out chapter 1. And then Josh is going to get into chapter 2 next week. So I'm going to start with verse 11. And we're going to read through verse 24. At least most of the verses by the time I'm finished. And so let's dig into the Word of God together, starting with Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. Paul says this, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel was preached by me, uh, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Now, remember last week, Josh and I introed kind of this sermon series with uh, our focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ And we also talked about some of the false gospels that are out there. The entertainment gospel, the prosperity gospel, uh, the gospel of good works or religion uh, in order to, to, to gain enough or to do enough to get saved. But that is opposite to what the Bible teaches as far as Christ coming to die in our place. You didn't do anything to win his approval, to merit that. He did it out of his grace. And when you and I put our faith, trust, belief in him, we are saved, the Bible says. We are saved from hell that Mark talked about. We are saved from the penalty of our sin. And we are saved to good works. God created us to do good works in Christ Jesus since before the foundation of the earth was even or or the world was even made but we're not saved because of our good works so those are some of the things that we introduced to you I had another brother in the Lord come up and said hey Jeremy I have another false gospel that's out there today I'm like all right sure let's hear it he said it's the the hyper grace gospel and I don't know if you're familiar with that term I am just a little bit but basically God is so graceful and so gracious that it doesn't matter uh, what we do or how we live. There is no hell. No one's going there. Christ died for all of our sins. And as great as that sounds, that is not the biblical gospel. Um, We are still guilty before him. Uh, if, If we didn't need to put our faith and trust in him and we could just live however we wanted and there wasn't any hell and there was no penalty of our sin then Christ would not have had to come and die for us so the very fact that he had to do that means that we have to accept that and receive that because we can't on our own heaven and hell are very real places uh, and as Mark shared 
those are two, those are two of our options, the only two options that we have um, when we pass or when Jesus comes back to get us. So uh, we are truth and grace fellowship. Grace never contradicts truth. It wouldn't be grace if it did. And truth isn't truth without grace. Um, and so, yes, we have to share the bad news with all of us that we all fall short. But the good news is Christ died so that we wouldn't have to spend eternity separated from him. All right. So, again, we have to understand um, the bad news first. And then that's why it's called the good news. So Paul says this, uh, brethren, the gospel I preach, it's not from man. It's not man-based. It's not worldly focused. But uh, it is, let's go on and read. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I really just have two main points for us this morning. And the first one is around this idea of God revealing Jesus to you personally. As important as it is for men and women to spread the gospel, to live the gospel, to share the gospel, as much as you and I probably came to Christ because someone, a man, a woman, a grandma, a grandpa, a pastor told us about the gospel, told us about Jesus we listened to them and we accepted and we received it. We believed it. But what Paul's saying is here is the gospel that he preaches isn't only from man. In other words, we're going to take a look at what that means. It is something that God reveals to you. Now he uses men and he uses women to get the gospel to us and he uses you and he desires to use you. But uh, I want to give a couple of examples of kind of what I'm talking about. So it's important that we uh, share the message and that people hear the message. But the ultimately, uh, ultimately, the individual must receive it by God through revelation. It happened, I don't, I'm not talking about the book of Revelation, but God revealing himself to us. It happened this way literally with Paul, remember? I think Josh mentioned this last week or a couple weeks ago on the road to Damascus. I mean, Jesus literally knocked him off his horse and bright light shone all around and he, he literally, flesh and blood, blood stood before Paul and basically uh, revealed himself. The apostles, they literally got to see God the Son, uh, the Son of God in flesh and blood, walking around with them for two and a half, three years. Wouldn't it be amazing for God to reveal his son to you in that very way? Literally, Jesus coming before you, standing before you, telling you all things about himself, starting with Moses and the prophets and the gospels. Wouldn't that be cool? Now, that doesn't happen to us, but... God revealing his son to us and in us, that still happens on a personal level to God's people. And I want to make sure that we've had that experience. And maybe if we haven't, then today God's going to uh, reveal that truth to you. <clears throat> so let's, let's take a look at two passages of scripture and it gives an example of what I'm talking about. 
Let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, starting with verse 13. This is Jesus speaking with his disciples, his, the, the original 12 apostles. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Remember this? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, that just means son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. All right, I want to pause there for a minute. So Jesus is standing before his disciples. Hey, who are people, uh, what are are men, what are human beings, what are they saying about me? You and I live in a society where people are talking about Jesus all of the time, and some are telling you good stuff, and some are telling you false stuff. So you can't only take man's word for it. This is kind of the point I'm getting at, and this is the examples we're looking at. Who do men say that I am? And then Jesus looks at Peter, and what's he say? Who do you say that I am? Okay, you've heard this pastor or that author or that teacher or that podcast or or this or that in your past. Who do you say Jesus is? Peter answered correctly. And what did Peter say? You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. And what did Jesus tell Peter? Peter Blessed are you. Why? Not because you just took what man said about me, even if that were true, that that what man was telling him were true about him. Jesus said, you are blessed because flesh and blood, man, woman, has not revealed that to you, but my Father in heaven has convinced you in your heart that I am. And that's my first point and plea to you all. I love that you come and you listen to Josh and I teach and preach and some of the elders and listen to testimonies. And I want you to listen to us because I do believe we're giving you the true gospel. But I don't want you to believe in God just because you know us personally and you're taking us at our word. I want God to reveal to you, to convince you, in your heart that what we are talking about is real, that God is real, that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is who he says he is. He was and he did what the Bible says he did and that the Bible is true. I hope for those of you that experience, have experienced the difference, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, yeah, I, I, I listen to people talk about Jesus, but God did this in my life. God the Father revealed this about Jesus. Even if you are hearing a man talk, I grew up going to church, shared that story a little bit last week, and I heard the pastor talking about scripture and talking about Jesus. But it wasn't until I'd started going to a different church, and I don't know if it was the different church or not, but God revealed to me and convinced me in my heart that Ah, 
this Jesus is real and true, and Christianity is, is a lifestyle to be lived. It's about a person uh, and accepting a person and what he did for me in the cross, and it's about now being able to have the opportunity to know God personally and to walk with him and talk with him, and I don't just pray and talk to him, but I listen, and he talks to me through prayer and through his word. God convinced and confirmed that to me, and I want him to do the same to you. So uh, Jesus said this about Peter. Now let's take a look at what he says. Now that Peter understood that God the Father had revealed this about the Son of God, then Jesus says this. I think this is important that this follows what just took place. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's pause here for a second. So many people, in fact, a whole huge denomination believes that the man, Peter, that the church of Jesus Christ was built on Peter. Now, if it's called the church of Jesus Christ, how can it be built on a man? Unless that man is Jesus, who's also the Son of God. So Jesus is not saying, Peter, you are Peter, and on Peter, I'm going to build my church. He said, on this rock, he is the rock of Christ, but on this truth, on this principle, that yes, I am in fact the Son of God, and when God the Father reveals that to your heart, That's how the church is to be built up when I gather people that are fully convinced that Jesus is who he says he is, then God's going to empower that church that's built upon that truth and that rock, and he's going to build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why are so many churches declining or shutting down, or whatever. I wonder if it's because they're only built on the rock of hearing a man or a woman woman talk about Jesus, and they kind of believe based on them, instead of God the Father convincing them in their heart, maybe through that man or woman, that Jesus really is the Son of God. He's alive and well. He died on the cross for their sins, and he's got great, big, plans for his church a body of Christ that you are now a part of those are the Christian people that are going to make a difference and I don't want to sit in a church or a facility where the church gathers and only believing based on what's being sung about or preached I want God to use those sermons and those songs to convince you in your heart the truths about God that are found in his word. And then on that, the church is going to... You know what it means to build a church? It's not to build a building, right? But if you were to build a building, it's not just one brick. Jesus is the cornerstone, and you start building building, and you got this big church. But the church is the people, so to build the church, the only way to build a church is what? Add to its number people that have also heard and had... God revealed to their heart that Jesus is who he says he is. That's transformation. We're going to talk about that some more. All right, Jesus isn't done here. Then he says this, 
after about uh, the Peter and on this rock, this truth. Then he says this, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That second part, that's a whole nother sermon and I'd need to do a lot more studying about it, but I just want to point this out. That sounds like a lot of power being granted to the church, does it not? And the Bible says here, Jesus says here, that he would give Peter the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Again, if we're reading this correctly, uh, we should say, hey, Jesus didn't mean that only for Peter. Remember, the rock was anyone whom God the Father has revealed that Jesus really is the living Son of God, guess what? They get part to be part of building the church, and they get keys also. What do keys do? What do keys do? They unlock stuff that's locked up, hidden away, stuff that you can't get to. These are the keys of the kingdom of heaven given to you. Don't you want to take those keys and unlock some God stuff, some kingdom of heaven stuff? All you have to do is understand and believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and you have to have that experience at least once in your lifetime. And probably for a lot of us, God continues to reveal and confirm over and over again that, yeah, he really is a good God. He's a great God. He's an amazing God. He's a God who's alive and real and powerful. That's the keys we get. There's a scripture in Proverbs that talks about the secret counsel of God belongs to the upright. So in other words, God's got some counsel that's secret from people. If you and I walk in an upright way, in other words, if we uh, walk with Jesus, we don't have to be perfect, we have to walk with him though. That's what he's talking about, some of these keys. We're going to unlock some mysteries. We're going to unlock some wisdom and some knowledge and how to do some stuff, how to learn from other people's mistakes instead of our own all, all of the time, right? Doesn't that sound good? I hope and pray that God is using my voice today if you've not had that experience of God the Father revealing to your heart that this is truth, this is the way, walk in it. I pray it's happening right now. Because God is living and alive, that will happen once, and it will happen again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Because you got keys now that unlocks the stuff of God. Isn't that awesome? All right, so that's point number one. Have you had that experience with the father let's look at another example because you might say hey well, okay paul had that experience all right the disciples i get it had that experience talking about peter here i'm no apostle i mean i'm just low man on the totem pole maybe that's you i've i've been there too guess what it is not just for apostles 
Let's look at the story of the woman at the well really quick. We're not going to read the whole story because it's kind of long. And Josh and I not long ago talked about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. But let's go to the end of John 4 and relook at a passage of scripture. Gives another great example of this. Um, John 4, 39 through 42. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, meaning Jesus. Why? Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Why did they believe? They believed in Jesus because the word of the woman who testified, hey, I thought I knew God, I thought I was worshiping God, I was totally living a a very sinful lifestyle, and this man named Jesus shows up, and he told me all things I ever did, and they could see it on her face, they could hear it in her tone, she had been a changed woman, and they believed in Jesus because of her word. Now, that might sound like I'm contradicting myself because I just told you, don't believe in Jesus just because of my word. So let's see what happens. So when the Samaritans had believed just enough uh, of the woman's testimony, when the Samaritans had come to Jesus, what did they do? After they believed, they wanted to get to know Jesus a little better, didn't they? They wanted to find him. They wanted to meet with him. They found him, obviously, because then they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Wouldn't you love to have flesh and blood Jesus for two days? I wouldn't even sleep. I'd be like, all right, Jesus, I'm pulling, a, I'm, I'm pulling two all-nighters in a row. I got you for two days. Let's sit down. Let's talk. I'm, I, let me go grab a paper and a big old notepad, and i go, right? I would take two hours. Here's the cool thing. We, we can still have that. You don't get flesh and blood, Jesus. You get the word of God that became flesh and blood. That's what you get. This is no less powerful, no no less revealing than Jesus Christ in the flesh and blood. I know that sounds weird, but it says he is the word. So I have to believe this is just as powerful as Jesus himself because it's one in the same. He's one in the same. So they urged him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. Get this. And many more believed because of his own word, because of Jesus' own word to them. Then they said to the woman this, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Isn't that cool? Samaritans half-breeds in those days. Jews didn't like Samaritans. The Samaritans came to a Samaritan woman, believed in Jesus, a woman who was stuck in sin, but whose life had just been transformed, testified about Jesus. They believed at least enough to want to go search for themselves and then God the Father, Jesus the Son of God, revealed to them his word and now they believed not because of 
her words, but because of his word to them. Right? Right? How many of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know there are a lot of you sitting in here right now that you know exactly what I'm talking about. The reason why you keep coming to church and you're so excited and is not just because you can believe more because of what I said, because God the Father has revealed to you that this is truth. And he still uses men and women of God through songs, through prayers, through a communion thought, through preaching, through teaching, through uh, Colton and Josh and speaking to our kids and our teenagers. And that's why you come. Because we, the church, are the body of Christ and we are the bride of Christ. And God has set up his church to destroy the works of the evil one. That's why you come. That's why you don't give excuses about just kind of being in or When God the Father reveals to your heart that He is who He says He is, even though the church is impure and not perfect and we make mistakes and we don't represent Jesus well all the time, you love her because of what God has revealed to you about her husband, about Jesus the Son of God. Am I right? Right? If that's not why you come after today, that's why I want you to start coming. No other reason. Not because we got good worship and music, and which I'm glad we do, and I think we do too. Not because Josh and I are anything special. You just want to gather with the church who's had their hearts convinced that Jesus really is who he says he is, and it's convinced based on God's revelation. All right, let's move on. We better get back to Galatians uh, chapter 1 here. That was point one. Good news is there's only two points. All right? (laughs) Uh, I don't have a three-pointer, Christian, so no Gatorade. I only have two points. Um, All right, Uh, verse 13. For you have heard of my former conduct. Remember, Paul's writing to the Galatian church. Paul used to persecute well, he goes on and says, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So Paul, uh, could you go back to 13, please, really quick? Thank you, Lexi. So Paul, um, remember he used to, Uh, persecute the church and he said you've heard of my former conduct Uh, the NIV I wrote this down says you've heard about my previous way of life what's Paul already insinuating upon coming to Christ in a way that God has revealed Christ to you in a way that God has convinced your heart when that happens there is transformation there's change there's growth you are a new person and you aren't the only one that knows it people that know you now know it when and if our experience matches paul's and the apostles that said huh i don't believe just because my parents raised me uh, in the church i don't believe just because i i like my pastor and 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 i like his preaching style i don't believe because uh Every Sunday I hear songs about Jesus and I listen to W. That's not why I believe. 
that only adds to what God's already convinced me of in my heart, right? That's the change that Paul's talking about here. Um, And so, again, that's why it's one of our core values here. We value transformation because Jesus transformed people. All right, verse 14, he talks about Judaism. And I want to quickly, I want to read just something quick as a great reminder. It's from a book that I'm reading called Spirit-Filled Jesus. And the author says this. Uh, This is going to help us just see where Christianity stands alone and is so different than so many other the so many other of the man-made religions that are around, all right? Listen to this. In various pantheistic religions, one like Buddhism, there is no personal God to offer a relationship or forgiveness. In Christianity, do we have a God who offers a relationship and forgiveness of our sins? Yes, we do. Okay, if you're a Buddhist, boom, you need to jump, jump ship, right? Uh, I know none of you are Buddhist here. At least I hope not. In Eastern religions such as Hinduism, there is no forgiveness of sin by a loving God, but rather cycles of reincarnation when we pay off our debt to karma. How long would it take you, how many lifetimes, you live 80 years, you die, now you've got to come back. I don't know, do they believe in coming back in like, as like, animals and bees and stuff too or is it just human beings i i don't know i I forget i heard maybe they don't eat cows because some other i don't know it's weird sorry it's just weird not making fun of any person that believes that way but can you imagine trying to just live in another life because you have to now overcome and perfect all of your past mistakes from a previous life would you ever get to heaven i i wouldn't i would never get to heaven No matter how many lifetimes I had to live a perfect life, because that's what it takes to get to heaven, perfection, all right? You have to be perfect. So do I. That's the only way we'll make it to heaven. But we know the side note, right, that Jesus did that for us. We're going to get to that in a minute. So I can't imagine that. According to Old Testament Judaism, ah, Old Testament, are, are there still practicing Jews as far as a religion today? Yes, and you don't have to be a, a Jew by na- nationality. You, you can become a Jewish person in a sense of uh, the religion of the Jews or Judaism. But according to the Old Testament, Judaism, there is no forgiveness of sin apart from what? In the Old Testament, what did you have to do to get forgiveness of sin? You had to go find a perfect animal and you had to sacrifice that animal because the Bible says, Old Testament and New Testament, there is no forgiveness of sin without a blood sacrifice. Okay, so we know that. We understand why the Jewish people did that in the Old Testament. But what about Jewish people today? I'm talking the religion of Judaism. There's no temple to go to, to go to a high priest, and there's no longer any blood sacrifices being done. They haven't been done since the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. So if you want to be a Jew by religion, 
you have no way of getting your sins forgiven even temporarily because they don't do that anymore, right? Praise God. Uh, Oh, let's talk about the Muslim faith or Islam. In Islam, forgiveness is merited by the sinner. In other words, it's earned rather than offered in pure grace because there's no concept of a loving father God or an atoning son. But in Christianity, we get both. You have to be perfect. God knows you couldn't be, so he sent his own son because he has that much pure grace and love for you so that you wouldn't experience the penalty of sin. You could have everlasting life by putting your trust in him. And not only do you get everlasting life, but you get a direct relationship with God himself. I see a couple of you smiling. Man, that is so awesome. That in our imperfection, God wants to know us personally and intimately. He wants us to know his love and his joy and his hope of heaven. And when God reveals that to your heart, you get that. All right, let's skip to verse 16, please. Thank you, Lexi. To reveal his son in me. That's what Paul's saying. Here's that word again. Oh, when God saw fit to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Uh, And this is that word reveal again. Let's look at what Hebrews 11.1 says. Uh, says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is what? Is the confidence. It's internal. It's inside. It's based on God revealing himself and his son to our heart. And when that happens, we already see the church is going to be built up. We get keys to the kingdom of heaven. And guess what? God is going to use you now to help convince other people. And that's really my second point. Let's just go ahead and skip on down uh, to Galatians 23 and 24. I think that's, yeah. I know we're picking up mid-context here, but, but we'll understand what Paul's saying. But they were hearing only he... so. Talking about the Galatians and Paul. The Galatians uh, were only hearing that Paul, who formerly persecuted us now, preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And because they heard that and saw that in Paul, they glorified God in me, Paul says. The NIV says, they praise God because of me. So this is the point I want to get, get at. I want to be used by God in such a way that people upon watching my life, hearing me talk, getting to know me on a personal basis, they glorify God in me, not for me, not for anything selfish, not for man, that Jeremy is so good or holy, not for that. But because I know if God uses me, and this is what I want for you, and I know God uses you and the God who now lives in you, right? Jesus lives inside of us. 
We know that. If our hearts have been convinced, then people are going to be drawn to the Jesus in you. And this is what it's going to do. This is my hope and prayer for me and for you. That it causes them to seek God on their own now based on what they see in us or hear from us like the town of the Samaritans that heard from the woman and decided, I want to go check out this Jesus and see for myself. And what happened to them? They then became even more convinced because now they heard it from him. So I want God to use you and me so that others will start seeking him. And what happens when people seek God? The Bible says they're going to find him. And then they're going to be transformed and changed. And now I can look out at a lot of you, and I know your old self for some of you, and I now know your new self. And now I'm praising God because you're praising God because I've watched God reveal himself to you and your life has been changed. Why wouldn't we want that for others? You can be that You don't have to do what I do. In fact, you're around more lost people than I am. So God's probably going to use you even more than he uses me. And that's going to be awesome for you and for those around you. All right, uh, worship team, come on up. We're going to close with a couple of songs. Anything you need to respond to, if this is the day God has chosen today, to reveal to you or to confirm to you that he really is who he says he is and you're like accepting that you're like you you need to come respond you can kneel right here no one will bother you just between you and God if you want someone to pray for you or with you go ahead and kneel and come as we sing and someone if you kneel at that altar someone will come and pray with you pray for you whatever the case may be